Section 32 of The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government, Volume 1B. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government by Jefferson Davis, Volume 1B, Appendix G. Correspondence between the Commissioners of South Carolina and the President of the United States, Mr. Buchanan, relative to the forts in the harbor of Charleston. Letter of the Commissioners to the President. Washington, December 28, 1860. Sir, we have the honor to transmit to you a copy of the full powers from the Convention of the People of South Carolina, under which we are, quote, authorized and empowered to treat with the government of the United States for the delivery of the forts, magazines, lighthouses, and other real estate, with their appurtenances, within the limits of South Carolina, and also for an appointment of the public debt, and for a division of all other property held by the government of the United States as agent of the Confederated States, of which South Carolina was recently a member, and generally to negotiate as to all other measures and arrangements proffered to be made and adopted in the existing relation of the parties, and for the continuance of peace and amity between this Commonwealth and the government at Washington." In the execution of this trust, it is our duty to furnish you, as we now do, with an official copy of the Ordinance of Secession, by which the State of South Carolina has resumed the powers she delegated to the Government of the United States, and has declared her perfect sovereignty and independence. It would also have been our duty to have informed you that we were ready to negotiate with you upon all such questions as are necessarily raised by the adoption of this Ordinance, and that we were prepared to enter upon this negotiation with the earnest desire to avoid all unnecessary and hostile collision, and so to inaugurate our new relations as to secure mutual respect, general advantage, and a future of goodwill and harmony beneficial to all the parties concerned. But the events of the last twenty-four hours render such an assurance impossible. We came here the representatives of an authority which could, at any time within the past sixty days, have taken possession of the forts in Charleston Harbor, but which, upon pledges given in a manner that, we cannot doubt, determined to trust to your honor rather than to its own power. Since our arrival here, an officer of the United States, acting, as we are assured, not only without but against your orders, has dismantled one fort and occupied another, thus altering, to a most important extent, the condition of affairs under which we came. Until these circumstances are explained in a manner which relieves us of all doubt as to the spirit in which these negotiations shall be conducted, we are forced to suspend all discussion as to any arrangements by which our mutual interests might be amicably adjusted. And, in conclusion, we would urge upon you the immediate withdrawal of the troops from the harbor of Charleston. Under present circumstances, they are a standing menace which renders negotiation impossible, and, as our recent experience shows, threatens speedily to bring to a bloody issue questions which ought to be settled with temperance and judgment. We have the honor, sir, to be very respectfully your obedient servants, R. W. Barnwell, J. H. Adams, James L. Orr, Commissioners, to the President of the United States. Reply of the President to the Commissioners. Washington City, December 30th, 1860. Gentlemen, I have the honor to receive your communication of 28th inst, 
together with a copy of your, quote, full powers from the Convention of the People of South Carolina, end quote, authorizing you to treat with the government of the United States on various important subjects therein mentioned, and also a copy of the ordinance bearing date of the 20th inst, declaring that, quote, the union now subsisting between South Carolina and other states, under the name of the United States of America, is hereby dissolved, end quote. In answer to this communication, I have to say that my position as President of the United States was clearly defined in the message to Congress of the third instant. In that, I stated that, quote, apart from the execution of the laws, so far as this may be practicable, the executive has no authority to decide what shall be the relations between the federal government and South Carolina. He has been invested with no such discretion. He possesses no power to change the relations heretofore existing between them, much less to acknowledge the independence of that state. This would be to invest a mere executive officer with the power of recognizing the dissolution of the Confederacy among our 33 sovereign states. It bears no resemblance to the recognition of a foreign de facto government involving no such responsibility. Any attempt to do this would, on his part, be a naked act of usurpation. It is, therefore, my duty to submit to Congress the whole question in all its bearings." End quote. Such is my opinion still. I could, therefore, meet you only as private gentlemen of the highest character, and was entirely willing to communicate to Congress any proposition you might have to make to that body upon the subject. Of this you were well aware. It was my earnest desire that such a disposition might be made of the whole subject by Congress, who alone possessed the power as to prevent the inauguration of a civil war between the parties in regard to the possession of the federal forts in the harbor of Charleston. And I therefore deeply regret that, in your opinion, quote, the events of the last twenty-four hours render this impossible, end quote. In conclusion, you urge upon me, quote, the immediate withdrawal of the troops from the harbor of Charleston, end quote, stating that, quote, under present circumstances, they are a standing menace which renders negotiation impossible, and, as our present experience shows, threatens speedily to bring to a bloody issue questions which ought to be settled with temperance and judgment. End quote. The reason for this change in your position is that, since your arrival in Washington, quote, an officer of the United States, acting as we, you, are assured, not only without your, my, orders, has dismantled one fort and occupied another, thus altering, to a most important extent, the condition of affairs under which we, you, came, end quote. You also allege that you came here, quote, the representatives of an authority which could at any time, within the past sixty days, have taken possession of the forts in Charleston Harbor, but which, upon pledges given in a manner that we, you, cannot doubt, determined to trust to your, my, honor, rather than to its own power, end quote. This brings me to a consideration of the nature of those alleged pledges, and in what manner they have been observed. In my message of the 3rd of December last, I stated, in regard to the property of the United States in South Carolina, that it, quote, has been purchased for a fair equivalent by the consent of the legislature of the state for the erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, etc., and over these the authority to exercise exclusive legislation has been expressly granted by the Constitution to Congress. It is not believed that any attempt will be made to expel the United States from this property by force, but, 
if in this i should prove to be mistaken the officer in command of the forts has received orders to act strictly on the defensive in such a contingency the responsibility for consequences would rightfully rest upon the heads of the assailants this being the condition of the parties on saturday eighth december four of the representatives from south carolina called upon me and requested an interview we had an earnest conversation on the subject of these forts and the best means of preventing a collision between the parties for the purpose of sparing the effusion of blood i suggested for prudential reasons that it would be best to put in writing what they said to me verbally they did so accordingly and on monday morning the tenth instant three of them presented to me a paper signed by all the representatives from south carolina with a single exception of which the following is a copy quote, to his excellency james buchanan president of the united states in compliance with our statement to you yesterday we now express to you our strong convictions that neither the constituted authorities nor any body of the people of the state of south carolina will either attack or molest the united states forts in the harbor of charleston previously to the action of the convention and we hope and believe not until an offer has been made through an accredited representative to negotiate for an amicable arrangement of all matters between the state and the federal government provided that no reinforcement shall be sent into those forts and their relative military status shall remain as at present john mcqueen william porche miles m l bonham w w boyce lawrence m keat washington december ninth eighteen sixty and here i must in justice to myself remark that at the time the paper was presented to me i objected to the word provided as it might be construed into an agreement on my part which i never would make they said that nothing was further from their intention they did not so understand it and i should not so consider it it is evident they could enter into no reciprocal agreement with me on the subject they did not profess to have authority to do this and were acting in their individual character i considered it as nothing more in effect than the promise of highly honorable gentlemen to exert their influence for the purpose expressed the event has proved that they have faithfully kept this promise although i have never since received a line from any one of them or from any member of the convention on the subject it is well known that it was my determination and this i freely expressed not to reinforce the forts in the harbor and thus produce a collision until they had been actually attacked or until i had certain evidence that they were about to be attacked this paper i received most cordially and considered it as a happy omen that peace might still be preserved and that time might thus be gained for reflection this is the whole foundation for the alleged pledge but i acted in the same manner i would have done had i entered into a positive and formal agreement with parties capable of contracting although such an agreement would have been on my part from the nature of my official duties impossible the world knows that i have never sent any reinforcements to the forts in charleston harbor and i have certainly never authorized any change to be made quote, in their relative military status end quote. bearing upon this subject i refer you to an order issued by the secretary of war on the eleventh instant to major anderson but not brought to my notice until the twenty-first instant it is as follows quote, memorandum of verbal instructions to major anderson first artillery commanding fort moultrie south carolina you are aware of the great anxiety of the secretary of war that a collision of the troops with the people of this state shall be avoided 
and of his studied determination to pursue a course with reference to the military force and forts in this harbor which shall guard against such a collision he has therefore carefully abstained from increasing the force at this point or taking any measures which might add to the present excited state of the public mind or which would throw any doubt on the confidence he feels that south carolina will not attempt by violence to obtain possession of the public works or to interfere with their occupancy but as the counsel of rash and impulsive persons may possibly disappoint these expectations of the government he deems it proper that you should be prepared with instructions to meet so unhappy a contingency he has therefore directed me verbally to give you such instructions you are carefully to avoid every act which would needlessly tend to provoke aggression and for that reason you are not without evident and imminent necessity to take up any position which could be construed into the assumption of a hostile attitude but you are to hold possession of the forts in this harbor and if attacked you are to defend yourself to the last extremity the smallness of your force will not permit you perhaps to occupy more than one of the three forts but an attack on or attempt to take possession of either of them will be regarded as an act of hostility and you may then put your command into either of them which you may deem most proper to increase its power of resistance you are also authorized to take similar defensive steps whenever you have tangible evidence of a design to proceed to a hostile act d p butler assistant adjutant general fort moultrie south carolina december eleventh eighteen sixty this is in conformity to my instructions to major buell john b floyd secretary of war End quote. these were the last instructions transmitted to major anderson before his removal to fort sumter with a single exception in regard to a particular which does not in any degree affect the present question under these circumstances it is clear that major anderson acted upon his own responsibility and without authority unless indeed he had quote, tangible evidence of a design to proceed to a hostile act end quote, on the part of the authorities of south carolina which has not yet been alleged still he is a brave and honorable officer and justice requires that he should not be condemned without a fair hearing be this as it may when i learned that major anderson had left fort moultrie and proceeded to fort sumter my first promptings were to command him to return to his former position and there to await the contingencies presented in his instructions this could only have been done with any degree of safety to the command by the concurrence of the south carolina authorities but before any steps could possibly have been taken in this direction we received information dated on the twenty-eighth instant that quote, the palmetto flag floated out to the breeze at castle pinckney and a large military force went over last night the twenty-seventh to fort moultrie end quote. thus the authorities of south carolina without waiting or asking for any explanation and doubtless believing as you have expressed it that the officer had acted not only without but against my orders on the very next day after the night when the removal was made seized by a military force two of the three federal forts in the harbor of charleston and have covered them under their own flag instead of that of the united states at this gloomy period of our history startling events succeed each other rapidly on the very day the twenty-seventh instant that possession of these two forts was taken the palmetto flag was raised over the federal custom-house and post-office in charleston and on the same day every officer of the customs collector 
naval officers, surveyor, and appraisers, resigned their offices. And this, although it was well known, from the language of my message, that as an executive officer I felt myself bound to collect the revenue at the port of Charleston, under the existing laws. In the harbor of Charleston we now find three forts confronting each other, over all of which the federal flag floated only four days ago. But now, over two of them, this flag has been supplanted, and the palmetto flag has been substituted in its stead. It is under all these circumstances that I am urged immediately to withdraw the troops from the harbor of Charleston, and am informed that, without this, negotiation is impossible. This I cannot do. This I will not do. Such an idea was never thought of by me in any possible contingency. No allusion to it had ever been made in any communication between myself and any human being. But the inference is that I am bound to withdraw the troops from the only fort remaining in the possession of the United States in the harbor of Charleston, because the officer then in command of all the forts thought proper, without instructions, to change his position from one of them to another. I cannot admit the justice of any such inference. At this point of writing, I have received information by telegram from Captain Humphreys, in command of the arsenal at Charleston, that, quote, it has today, Sunday the 30th, been taken by force of arms, end quote. It is estimated that the munitions of war belonging to the United States in this arsenal are worth half a million dollars. Comment is needless. After this information, I have only to add that, while it is my duty to defend Fort Sumter, as a portion of the public property of the United States, against hostile attacks from whatever quarter they may come, by such means as I may possess for this purpose, I do not perceive how such a defense can be construed into a menace against the city of Charleston. With great personal regard, I remain, yours, very respectfully, James Buchanan. To Honorable Robert W. Barnwell, James H. Adams, James L. Orr. Reply of the Commissioners to the President. Washington, D.C., January 1st, 1861. Sir, we have the honor to acknowledge the receipt of your letter of the 30th December, in reply to a note addressed by us to you on the 28th of the same month, as commissioners from South Carolina. In reference to the declaration with which your reply commences, that, quote, your position as President of the United States was clearly defined in the message to Congress of the third instant, end quote, that you possess, quote, no power to change the relations heretofore existing between South Carolina and the United States, much less to acknowledge the independence of that state, end quote, and that, consequently, you could meet us only as private gentlemen of the highest character, with an entire willingness to communicate to Congress any proposition we might have to make, we deem it only necessary to say that the state of South Carolina having, in the exercise of that great right of self-government, which underlies all our political organizations, declared herself sovereign and independent, we, as her representatives, felt no special solicitude as to the character in which you might recognize us. Satisfied that the state had simply exercised her unquestionable right, we were prepared, in order to reach substantial good, to waive the formal considerations which your constitutional scruples might have prevented you from extending. We came here, therefore, expecting to be received as you did receive us, and perfectly content, with that entire willingness of which you assured us, to submit any proposition to Congress, which we might have to make, upon the subject of the independence of the State. That willingness was ample recognition of the condition of public affairs which rendered our presence necessary. 
in this position however it is our duty both to the state which we represent and to ourselves to correct several important misconceptions of our letter into which you have fallen you say quote, it was my earnest desire that such a disposition might be made of the whole subject by congress who alone possesses the power to prevent the inauguration of a civil war between the parties in regard to the possession of the federal forts in the harbor of charleston and i therefore deeply regret that in your opinion the events of the last twenty-four hours render this impossible we expressed no such opinion and the language which you quote as ours is altered in its sense by the omission of a most important part of the sentence what we did say was quote, but the events of the last twenty-four hours render such an assurance impossible place that assurance as contained in our letter in the sentence and we are prepared to repeat it again professing to quote our language you say quote, thus the authorities of south carolina without waiting or asking for any explanation and doubtless believing as you have expressed it that the officer had acted not only without but against my orders etc we expressed no such opinion in reference to the belief of the people of south carolina the language which you have quoted was applied solely and entirely to our assurance obtained here and based as you well know upon your own declaration a declaration which at that time it was impossible for the authorities of south carolina to have known but without following this letter into all its details we propose only to meet the chief points of the argument some weeks ago the state of south carolina declared her intention in the existing condition of public affairs to secede from the united states she called a convention of her people to put her declaration in force the convention met and passed the ordinance of secession all this you anticipated and your course of action was thoroughly considered in your annual message you declared that you had no right and would not attempt to coerce a seceding state but that you were bound by your constitutional oath and would defend the property of the united states within the borders of south carolina if an attempt was made to take it by force seeing very early that this question of property was a difficult and delicate one you manifested a desire to settle it without collision you did not reinforce the garrisons in the harbor of charleston you removed a distinguished and veteran officer from the command of fort moultrie because he attempted to increase his supply of ammunition you refused to send additional troops to the same garrison when applied for by the officer appointed to succeed him you accepted the resignation of the oldest and most eminent member of your cabinet rather than allow these garrisons to be strengthened you compelled an officer stationed at fort sumter to return immediately to the arsenal forty muskets which he had taken to arm his men you expressed not to one but to many of the most distinguished of our public characters whose testimony will be placed upon the record whenever it is necessary your anxiety for a peaceful termination of this controversy and your willingness not to disturb the military status of the forts if commissioners should be sent to the government whose communications you promised to submit to congress you received and acted on assurances from the highest official authorities of south carolina that no attempt would be made to disturb your possession of the forts and property of the united states if you would not disturb their existing condition until commissioners had been sent and the attempt to negotiate had failed you took from the members of the house of representatives a written memorandum that no such attempt should be made Quote, provided that no reinforcements shall be sent into those forts and their relative military status 
shall remain as at present and although you attach no force to the acceptance of such a paper although you quote, considered it as nothing more in effect than the promise of highly honorable gentlemen end quote, as an obligation on one side without corresponding obligation on the other it must be remembered if we are rightly informed that you were pledged if you ever did send reinforcements to return it to those from whom you had received it before you executed your resolution you sent orders to your officers commanding them strictly to follow a line of conduct in conformity with such an understanding besides all this you had received formal and official notice from the governor of south carolina that we had been appointed commissioners and were on our way to washington you knew the implied condition under which we came our arrival was notified to you and an hour appointed for an interview we arrived in washington on wednesday at three o'clock and you appointed an interview with us at one the next day early on that day thursday the news was received here of the movement of major anderson that news was communicated to you immediately and you postponed our meeting until half past two o'clock on friday in order that you might consult your cabinet on friday we saw you and we called upon you then to redeem your pledge you could not deny it with the facts we have stated and in the face of the crowning and conclusive fact that your secretary of war had resigned his seat in the cabinet upon the publicly avowed ground that the action of major anderson had violated the pledged faith of the government and that unless the pledge was instantly redeemed he was dishonored denial was impossible you did not deny it you do not deny it now but you seek to escape from its obligations on two grounds one that we terminated all negotiation by demanding as a preliminary the withdrawal of the united states troops from the harbor of charleston and two that the authorities of south carolina instead of asking explanation and giving you the opportunity to vindicate yourself took possession of other property of the united states we will examine both in the first place we deny positively that we have ever in any way made any such demand our letter is in your possession it will stand by this on the record in it we inform you of the objects of our mission we say that it would have been our duty to assure you of our readiness to commence negotiations with the most earnest and anxious desire to settle all questions between us amicably and to our mutual advantage but that events had rendered that assurance impossible we stated the events and we said that until some satisfactory explanation of these events was given us we could not proceed and then having made this request for explanation we added quote, and in conclusion we would urge upon you the immediate withdrawal of the troops from the harbor of charleston under present circumstances they are a standing menace which renders negotiation impossible etc under present circumstances end quote. what circumstances why clearly the occupation of fort sumter and the dismantling of fort moultrie by major anderson in the face of your pledges and without explanation or practical disavowal and there is nothing in the letter which would or could have prevented you from declining to withdraw the troops and offering the restoration of the status to which you were pledged if such had been your desire it would have been wiser and better in our opinion to have withdrawn the troops and this opinion we urged upon you but we demanded nothing but such an explanation of the events of the last twenty-four hours as would restore our confidence in the spirit with which the negotiation should be conducted 
in relation to this withdrawal of the troops from the harbor we are compelled however to notice one passage of your letter referring to it you say quote, this i cannot do this i will not do such an idea was never thought of by me in any possible contingency no allusion to it had ever been made in any communication between myself and any human being end quote. in reply to this statement we are compelled to say that your conversation with us left upon our minds the distinct impression that you did seriously contemplate the withdrawal of the troops from charleston harbor and in support of this impression we would add that we have the positive assurance of gentlemen of the highest possible public reputation and the most unsullied integrity men whose name and fame secured by long service and patriotic achievement place their testimony beyond cavil that such suggestions had been made to and urged upon you by them and had formed the subject of more than one earnest discussion with you and it was this knowledge that induced us to urge upon you a policy which had to recommend it its own wisdom and the weight of such authority as to the second point that the authorities of south carolina instead of asking explanations and giving you the opportunity to vindicate yourself took possession of other property of the united states we would observe first that even if this were so it does not avail you for defense for the opportunity for decision was afforded you before these facts occurred we arrived in washington on wednesday the news from major anderson reached here early on thursday and was immediately communicated to you all that day men of the highest consideration men who had striven successfully to lift you to your great office who had been your tried and true friends through the troubles of your administration sought you and entreated you to act to act at once they told you that every hour complicated your position they only asked you to give the assurance that if the facts were so if the commander had acted without and against your orders and in violation of your pledges you would restore the status you had pledged your honor to maintain you refused to decide your secretary of war your immediate and proper adviser in this whole matter waited anxiously for your decision until he felt that delay was becoming dishonor more than twelve hours passed and two cabinet meetings had adjourned before you knew what the authorities of south carolina had done and your prompt decision at any moment of that time would have avoided the subsequent complications but if you had known the acts of the authorities of south carolina should that have prevented your keeping your faith what was the condition of things for the last sixty days you have had in charleston harbor not force enough to hold the forts against an equal enemy two of them were empty one of those two the most important in the harbor it could have been taken at any time you ought to know better than any man that it would have been taken but for the efforts of those who put their trust in your honor believing that they were threatened by fort sumter especially the people were with difficulty restrained from securing without blood the possession of this important fortress after many and reiterated assurances given on your behalf which we cannot believe unauthorized they determined to forbear and in good faith sent on their commissioners to negotiate with you they meant you no harm wished you no ill they thought of you kindly believed you true and were willing as far as was consistent with duty to spare you unnecessary and hostile collision scarcely had their commissioners left than major anderson waged war no other words will describe his action 
it was not a peaceful change from one fort to another it was a hostile act in the highest sense one only justified in the presence of a superior enemy and in imminent peril he abandoned his position spiked his guns burned his gun carriages made preparations for the destruction of his post and withdrew under cover of the night to a safer position this was war no man could have believed without your assurance that any officer could have taken such a step quote, not only without orders but against orders end quote. what the state did was in simple self-defense for this act with all its attending circumstances was as much war as firing a volley and war being thus begun until those commencing it explained their action and disavowed their intention there was no room for delay and even at this moment while we are writing it is more than probable from the tenor of your letter that reinforcements are hurrying on to the conflict so that when the first gun shall be fired there will have been on your part one continuous consistent series of actions commencing in a demonstration essentially warlike supported by regular reinforcement and terminating in defeat or victory and all this without the slightest provocation for among the many things which you have said there is one thing you cannot say you have waited anxiously for news from the seat of war in hopes that delay would furnish some excuse for this precipitation but this quote, tangible evidence of a design to proceed to a hostile act on the part of the authorities of south carolina end quote, which is the only justification of major anderson you are forced to admit quote, has not yet been alleged end quote. but you have decided you have resolved to hold by force what you have obtained through our misplaced confidence and by refusing to disavow the action of major anderson have converted his violation of orders into a legitimate act of your executive authority be the issue what it may of this we are assured that if fort moultrie has been recorded in history as a memorial of carolina gallantry fort sumter will live upon the succeeding page as an imperishable testimony of carolina faith by your course you have probably rendered civil war inevitable be it so if you choose to force this issue upon us the state of south carolina will accept it and relying upon him who is the god of justice as well as the god of hosts will endeavor to perform the great duty which lies before her hopefully bravely and thoroughly our mission being one for negotiation and peace and your note leaving us without hope of a withdrawal of the troops from fort sumter or of the restoration of the status quo existing at the time of our arrival and intimating as we think your determination to reinforce the garrison in the harbor of charleston we respectfully inform you that we propose returning to charleston on to-morrow afternoon we have the honor to be sir very respectfully your obedient servants r w barnwell j h adams james l orr commissioners to his excellency the president of the united states the last communication is endorsed as follows executive mansion three and one half o'clock wednesday this paper just presented to the president is of such a character that he declines to receive it end of appendix g